All right, let's get on our feet, River House. I'm going to read from the Bible. Who's grateful to be in the house of God tonight? Who's expectant for the, the word of the Lord? I'm going to read out of Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12. It says, For the word of God is living and active, and sharper than any two-edged sword. It pierces as far as the division of soul and spirit, of both joints and marrow, and is able to judge the thoughts and intentions of the heart. And there's no creature hidden from his sight, but all things are open and laid bare to the eyes of him with whom we have to do. Lord, we'd ask that your, your Holy Spirit would come into this place. You're already here, but that you'd continue to come. God, I pray that our hearts would be like the woman Lydia at the river in Philippi, that you opened her heart to receive what Paul and Barnabas were speaking about. God, we are all at the mercy of our mental maps. We are all at the mercy of our own perceptions and the way that we view and interpret life. God, and we need you. We would ask that the pure word of the Lord would flow into this room, that you would release a pure flow of revelation from the scriptures, from your mouth, God, that would, that would draw our hearts, God, beyond where we could go ourselves, that you would penetrate and divide soul and spirit, thoughts and intentions, that you would go deeper than even our own mental maps, God, and that you would liberate us with the word of the Lord, that you would bring us into pure thought, into pure interpretation, God, into pure revelation that would open up a whole realm of thinking, God, a, a paradigm, a, a reality, the kingdom of God. That the word of God would lead us to the kingdom of God and to the very heart of God. That you would do what no man can do. Lord, that you would have your way in this time and in this space. We thank you, God, that the word of the Lord, that it would proceed forth like a sharp sword tonight. God, and that it would bring clarity and liberation and power Lord, your word has the power to transform us, to change our mental maps into your mental map, Lord. Do that, God. Accomplish that miracle in our midst tonight, we pray. In the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. There's no creature hidden from his sight, but all things are open and laid bare. Say open and laid bare. The word of the Lord, the eyes of God, he, he, he sees in such a way that the heart of every man and every woman, of everything, is open and laid bare. It's in plain sight. Uh, the next chapter in Hebrews... 
I'm going to read a few verses. Starting in verse 10 of chapter 5, it says that Jesus was designated by God as a high priest according to the order of Melchizedek. Say Melchizedek, ten times fast. (laughs) Concerning Melchizedek, we have much to say, but it's hard to explain since you've become dull. Say dull. You've become dull of hearing. For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you have need again for someone to teach you the elementary principles of the oracles of God, and you've come to need milk and not solid food. For everyone who partakes only of milk is not accustomed to the word of righteousness, for he is an infant, but solid food is for the mature, who because of practice have their senses trained to discern good and evil. I want to talk about discernment tonight. The the word of the Lord, it's sharp. Sharper than a double-edged sword, it can divide between soul and spirit, bone and marrow, thoughts and intentions. It lays everything open and bare. Another way of saying bare would be naked. It makes everything naked. We're all naked before God. Whew. Who wants a fig leaf right about now? So the word of the Lord has an ability to, to pierce through. He's, it's discerning. This next chapter of Hebrews, it's the, the, the author of Hebrews is actually, it's one of, Hebrews is probably the meatiest book in the New Testament. It is very dense. It's theological. It's most likely Paul writing to uh, the Jewish audience, unpacking different theological tenets of where they were wrestling with, trying to make sense of who Jesus was as, as the Messiah in light of the Levitical priesthood and everything that they'd known. So it's a dense theological work. Paul writes here, I'm going to talk to you about Melchizedek, but I can't, I can't write to you. It's hard to explain this to you because you've been dull of hearing and he shows that that dullness is actually a lack of discernment. Say discernment. So there's something about the word of the Lord. It's discerning. It's cutting. It strips things. It sees things open and bare. And then Paul is trying to exhort the Hebrew audience that he's writing to that the that those who are mature, they can eat solid food because through practice, their spiritual sense has been, has been edified so that they can discern between right and wrong, good and evil. So discernment acts in a way like a digestive system where an infant can't eat solid food because they don't have the capacity internally to digest complex things into simple things that can enter into the bloodstream. So there's something about discernment. It operates in a way that allows us to actually think about things that are maybe more complex, maybe have different layers of thought, and you can Whittle it down to its basic elements. You can discern it down to the truth. You can rightly contextualize what's given in a way that it actually can edify and build you up. Yeah, that's a good start. So let's talk about discernment. Because discernment is really important. Discernment is a marker of maturity. Who wants to be mature? 
Who wants to be edified and to look like Jesus? We need discernment. We have to be a discerning people if we're to be mature, if we can actually make sense of what the Lord's doing. And this isn't to say that I really feel the Lord wants to inspire and provoke us and actually awaken discernment tonight in the house to, to draw you into a place where we actually learn to live and walk by the discernment of our spirit, of the Holy Spirit. All right, so 1 Corinthians 12, uh, 13, 12 lists the spiritual gifts, and one of those gifts is the discernment of spirits. Who's read this before? Yeah, this one's not talked about as much. I feel like prophecy gets a lot of publicity, gifts of healing, miracles, tongues. That's probably the most famous, infamous gift in there. But discernment of spirits. How many in here have you never heard a message on discernment before? Come on, I know that there's people in here you've never heard a message. I, haven't, I don't know that I've ever heard anybody preach explicitly on discernment before. I feel like it's one of those things that's talked about in mention in passing. But let's spend a night just talking about discernment. And I believe that the Holy Spirit wants to even bring a gift of discernment because it comes from Him and it edifies us to live and walk in maturity. So, so when thinking of the importance of discernment, this I, I want to build a context and then I want to look at the life of Peter, because I think Peter is a really good example. You know, I'm really thankful for the Gospels, particularly, that it conveys the story of Peter and James and John, all the twelve uh, process. Do you know what I'm speaking about? Like most of the time in the, in the books that we read or the sermons or even the testimonies that are shared, it's usually the finished products that we get to hear about. You know, it's like... Paul spends 14 years in Arabia, and then he comes out, and he's got this incredible understanding, and you're like, wow, Paul is amazing. Right? But we, were, we didn't get to be with him those 14 years as he's wrestling and work. But Peter, we get to be there the whole time. We get to see the mistakes. We get to see his lapses. We get to see poor discernment. We get to see good discernment. So I want to build a context. Then I want to look at Peter and just watch the process of maturity as he actually grows in discernment. Because I think it will help us start to understand and go, whoa, this is really important. right? So a way to understand what discernment is, is discernment, it's, it's it, it literally means to separate or to divide or to, to, to break down or to make sense of or to judge rightly. Uh, some people would say j discernment isn't just the division between right and wrong, but it's the division between right and almost right. It, 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 it can sort through. It, it gets down to the root of things. You can discernment. You don't just see the whole plate of food. You'll, you'll discern down what the actual nutrient is. It, it gets it down to the base substance of what something is. So discernment is, is significant because we all have a, a spirit. Say spirit. We have a soul. And we have a... Yes. Spirit, soul, body. If we've been born again in Christ, we have a spirit a soul, and a body. Briefly here, in Genesis, it said that if Adam and Eve, God said, if you eat of the tree, you will you'll surely die. So they eat of the tree, they experience a spiritual death in that moment. So at this point, the spirit man dies, where they had union 
with God. Now, Adam and Eve, and then who they procreate, humanity, we are a soul without spirit that communes with God because those who worship God must worship Him in spirit and truth because God is, and we're the Spirit of the Lord. There's all these, God is spirit. I, I didn't want to go there. There is liberty. God is spirit. We, the Lord is the spirit. Where the spirit of the Lord is, there's liberty. That was my mindset. So, so God is spirit. We lost spirit. Then we became a soul with a body. So then what took place after the fall, after sin, is that now we started having to live by our own senses. Say, your own senses. What are your senses? Right? So... We lost our spiritual sense and we became, in a way, enslaved to our natural sense. So now I'm a soul that was designed to actually be led by the Spirit. But I can't be led by the Spirit anymore because my spirit man died because of sin. So now my soul had to then be submitted to the outer world and I had to learn how to live by sight. Sound reason, my own sensations, my own ability to perceive and pick up things, emotion, intellect. The main two, if we're going to put sweeping categorization on human beings, how, how human beings that just live in the soul, not by the spirit, they would live by either the highly intellectuals, who's the intellectuals in the room, or the emotional romantics. So the soul without the spirit is left to choose, am I going to be guided by my feelings or am I going to be guided by my ration? And it's all, this is, this is coming through these five senses through which we can pick up the natural world. So Jesus comes, he wants to recreate the spirit man, it says in 1 Corinthians chapter 4, that, that those who have been born in Christ become a new, create chapter 5, a new creation. A spiritual being that is actually perfect. Say perfect. Tell your spirit you're perfect. It's true. You've been sanctified. You've been made righteous. He who knew no sin became sin so that you would become the righteousness of God. You have a perfect recreated spirit that is actually in Christ Jesus. Ephesians says that you're seated in Christ in heavenly places. That's, that's mysterious. There's a mystical element to that truth, but it's true. Your spirit right now is seated with Christ. Your spirit is perfect. It's made in the image of God. It's, it's a recreated spiritual being, a, a new creation that nobody's ever seen before. So now the Christian, the born-again Christian, is no longer just a soulish individual living by either their feelings or their thoughts, but they are a, a spirit that is in union with the Holy Spirit. But then we have a soul that, you know, say you got saved at the age 30, your soul spent 30 years learning to live this way, but now is having to be discipled to learn to submit and live this way. 
Is there clarity on this? So now the state of the Christian is I have this sanctified positional state of righteousness in Christ by the spirit. But my spirit man, when I'm born again, how old are you? (laughs) You're zero. Say infant. You who only drink milk are infants. So we have a soul that is quite built up in its ways of living by the senses, the outer senses, by sight, my mouth, my eyes, my ears, my hands, my intellect, my feelings. So I have this going on, and this is quite built up if I get saved at 30. And the spirit is a baby. (laughs) So let's look at Peter now, okay? So Peter, we know that Peter was a sinner. He tells us that when Jesus meets him on the boat. Get away from me. I'm a sinful man. I've called you to be not Simon, but Cephas, Cephas, Peter, the rock. I'm going to build a church on you. So Peter starts walking with Jesus. And we watch how this very uh, uh, right, soulish, sinful man starts to become edified through relationship with Jesus Christ. And we see the mixture in Peter. So we see Peter starting to exercise right discernment. So in John 6, the the sermon we preached about a couple weeks ago, of eat my flesh and drink my blood, Peter got that one. Why? Because Jesus preached a word that would offend if you tried to live by the outer person. My mind's saying, I don't cannibalize humans. I don't eat flesh. I don't drink blood. So the mind's freaking out. But Peter, his spirit man, gets it. Another story where Peter gets it. Uh, he says, who does, who, do, who does everybody say that I am? Well, they say you're John the Baptist. They say you're Elijah. They say you're a prophet. They say you're this. They say you're that. Who do you say I am? What does Peter say? You're the Christ. You're the son of God. And and Jesus goes as far as to say, yes, you got it. And on this revelation, I'm going to build the church. Now, the Catholics believe that that's literally Peter, so that the popes came from Peter. Uh, Other interpretations are that Jesus is saying, yes, you got it right. I'm going to build the church on Jesus Christ the Son of God. And another interpretation is that Jesus is actually affirming Jesus' ability to discern His Spirit from the Holy Spirit that that's the rock that God was going to build the church on. Is, is, Is the ability for the church to be a spiritual people who come back into right relationship and walk by the Spirit. Peter was discerning. He... He was discerning. He was starting to maybe nibble on some solid food. Where did Peter get it wrong? Well, right after this. <laughs> and, and Jesus says, I'm going to Jerusalem. I'm going to die. And what does Peter do? Gets out of the spirit and goes, whoa, no, 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 no. Because the son of God, because, right, you see the mixture. He saw Jesus was the son of God, the Messiah, but... He thought Messiah meant a whole lot of things that the cross could not be 
in tangent with. No, 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 you can't die. You need to march into Jerusalem. You got to kill all the Romans. You got to take your seat on the throne. And I was hoping I was going to sit somewhere close to you. From the spirit to the, to the soul. Right, so you see, you see the battle here. So uh, this didn't even end post-resurrection, unfortunately, for Peter. Peter just gets reinstated, right? So he denies Jesus three times. That's a whole other story of out, outer man. Then he gets uh, reinstated by Jesus. Jesus asks him, do you love me three times? And then what's the next thing Peter does? His, his soul goes into comparison when Jesus tells him, you're going to die by resurrection or by crucifixion, excuse me. And his first response was, well, what, what about John? <laughs> you see the mixture. It, it kept going. Pentecost, he gets it right. I perceive this is what was prophesied in the book of Joel in the last days, I'm going to pour out my spirit. The young men will prophesy. The old men will dream dreams. I'll pour out my spirit on the, on, on the sons and the daughters, even the servants in those days. And he preaches this sermon because he discerns what the Holy Spirit's doing on Pentecost. Everyone else is going, what is happening? But Peter discerned. Then a number of years later, he's in Antioch. And the Jews show up. And he's, he starts looking. Oh, he gets afraid of judgment. He starts living in the soul, and he starts withdrawing, and Paul has to rebuke him. Mixture. He's in this process of maturing that he would walk by the discernment of the Spirit and not get so influenced by the outer world, by his own thoughts, mind, intellect, feelings. I have a feeling with Peter it was feelings. He was a feelings guy. I don't think anybody looked at Peter and said, you're a scholar. So you see, he's having feelings. He got probably afraid. He's with the Jews in Antioch. He doesn't want to be associated. He doesn't want to be judged or misunderstood. And he shrinks back. The amazing thing is that we, we see uh, his, his first response when Jesus says you're going to be crucified is that he, he compares. But th this, is, this is such a beautiful picture of emotional, zealous Peter. The, the last story uh, we know of Peter, it's his, when he was martyred. And the story goes is that uh, Caesar Nero was looking for him and they were gonna, they were gonna kill him. And he escaped, and he was escaping out of the city. And as he walked out of the city, the Lord appeared to him in a vision and said, I, I, it's time for me to be crucified once again. And he knew it was the Lord saying, it's time. And he turned around and walked back into the city. He had become mature, no longer living by the outer man, self-preservation, self-ration, all that. He was living by the conviction of what he discerned in the spirit. This is powerful. And so this, this tension, we all have it. This maturation process of learning how to actually live by discernment and not by either our ration, our reason, our emotion, whatever it may be. We're to walk by the Spirit. Paul says we live by faith, not by sight. 
Just before that, he says, though the outer man is decaying, the inner man is being renewed day by day as we don't look at the outer things for light momentary affliction is producing in us an eternal weight of glory that's beyond all comparison. You see, he's, he's not processing by the outer. He's processing by the inner man. He's walking by the Spirit. Read the book of Acts. You'll see it is incredible how led by the Spirit Paul is. He's like on the boat in the story. You know, he, it kind of cracks me up. He, he tells them, hey, I perceive that if we keep going on this ship, we're going to lose the ship and we're going to lose our lives. You read this? I perceive. Then like four days later, when all their hope of getting saved there, he's like, Hey, you should have listened to me, but don't worry. An angel of the Lord came to me, and he's not going to save the ship, but he's going to save all of us. And I believe that what God said is true. This is, this is in the middle of a crazy storm. This is in the middle of jettison. Of, like he, he, just, he just knew he, he, he was going to go into Asia. The Spirit of God, he didn't have peace, didn't permit him. Then he had a dream, the Macedonian vision. He, Paul is literally being led by the discernment of spirits. He's discerning the Holy Spirit and following the Holy Spirit. He sees the slave girl in Philippi and he's walking by her and he keeps getting annoyed even though she's saying, these are bond servants of the Most High God proclaiming to you the way of salvation. She's speaking truth. But Paul could discern, he's getting annoyed. So finally after a few days he said, Get out of her the name of Jesus. Yeah? Discernment. Paul was living by discernment. Peter was maturing into living by discernment. We as Christians, if we want to press on to maturity, have to start living by discernment. And not by emotion, not by reason, not by our outer senses, but by the senses of the inner man. Because this is how we start to access the power of God. The, the presence of God. The leadership of God. Right, so John 16, Jesus is getting ready to go to the Father and he... He says, I tell you the truth. It's to your advantage that I go away. For if I don't go away, the Father, the Helper won't come to you. But if I go, I'll send him to you. And he, when he comes, he'll convict the world. Say convict. He'll convict the world concerning sin, righteousness, and judgment. Concerning sin because they don't believe in me. Concerning righteousness because I go to the Father and you don't no longer see me. And concerning judgment. Because the ruler of this world's been judged. So Jesus is saying, I'm going to send to you the Holy Spirit. He, he's the spirit of truth. He's going to guide you to the truth. I have many more things to say to you, but you can't bear them now. But I'm going to send them to you. He's going to take the words that are mine and he's going to speak them to you. And this is how he's going to speak them to you. He's going to convict you. What is conviction? It's spirit-to-spirit spirit language. It's conviction is what you discern in your spirit 
by the Holy Spirit. It's a, it's a prompting. It's an impression. It's a nudging. It's a chafing. It sometimes feels rough. It sometimes feels smooth. It sometimes feels peaceful. It, the Holy Spirit, it's better that I go, says Jesus, because I'm going to send the advocate to you who's going to convict you at a spirit to spirit hit, my spirit is going to convict your spirit. And this is how you're going to be guided into the truth. This is how you're going to be led. This is how you're going to walk by the spirit. This is how you're going to do everything that I've called you to do. You're going to learn to walk being led by the Holy Spirit through what you're discerning. Come on. This is a good word. This is such a good word. I would just pray that God would make us 10 times more sensitive to the conviction of the Holy Spirit. I would pray that we become a people who walk by faith in what we discern and that becomes more real than what we feel, think, and perceive. That we could be like Peter. And we would have the faith that we discerned rightly when he said, it's time to go die. My gosh, talk about faith. Talk about discernment. Can I be honest with you guys? I've been praying that the Lord would give me more discernment, more conviction, more sensitivity to the conviction and the leadership of the Holy Spirit. I was literally praying this like three days ago. I just felt the Lord just birthing this prayer in me. And I'm like, yes, this is so good. This is so good. I go to the grocery store that night because my wife wanted me to get Pharaoh. If you're looking for Pharaoh, don't go to Albertsons because I don't have it. I have guys helping me for 10 minutes trying to find Pharaoh. We're in multiple aisles. We can't find it anywhere. I'm like, can I get quinoa? Can I get anything else? There's a million different types of wheat-based things like Pharaoh, but I can't find Pharaoh. And as I'm working with Pharaoh with this guy, his name's Barry, I start feeling the conviction of the Holy Spirit. I start feeling like I'm supposed to minister. At the same time that I'm feeling this, I can also feel my wife saying, why aren't you back yet? with the Pharaoh. <laughs> we have people coming over really shortly. I start getting in a tug of war between, do I minister to Barry? I don't even know what to say anyways. Or where is the Pharaoh? And if not the Pharaoh, what am I going to get for the salad? And I, I, I got more involved with the Pharaoh and I didn't do it. I got in the car and I felt dreadful. I was like, oh God, I blew my chance. Like, you did it. You sensitized me. Like, it literally, I was sitting next to him and all of a sudden I was like, ho, ho, ho. But then it was like, oh, Pharaoh, Pharaoh, Pharaoh. Oh, ha, ha, ha. And I blew it. I told the Lord, I'm going back to, I'm going back this week. I'm going to write that man a letter. I don't care what I have to do. So I'm like, I don't want to grieve you. I don't want to miss my opportunities. Like, get my mindset right, Lord, so that I am living not just by my own mental agenda and my thoughts and my ideas and my things, but I am so yielded and sensitive to the, the, what I'm discerning from the Holy Spirit, who is my guide to lead me to the truth. I'm trying to walk this thing out. 
I want to live it. I want to breathe it. I want to discern what he's doing in the night. I want to discern what he's doing in the day. I want to discern what he's doing in this room. I want to live with such a sensitized discernment to the leadership of the Holy Spirit that I am just following him and things that I could never ask, dream, or imagine are happening all around me. Not because of my mental ability and my this and this and my feelings and this, but because I have developed this conviction that I live by faith of what I'm discerning, not by my feelings, not by my thoughts, not by how I'm doing that day. Do you see the maturity? Do you see the conviction? Do you see, like, do you see discernment at work? Do you see how important this is? So when, we're, when we gather together, I see church as training ground for real life. So what happens here should be an environment that is actually training us. It should be a practice ground where we're learning and training our senses so then we can then go out into the real world and, and try it out and practice it. Meaning this is part of why we let it be a little more messy here. Because it's kind of messy out there. And when I say messy, I don't mean intentionally convoluted, but I just mean we're authentic in the sense of we don't always know what we're doing. I actually would say I rarely know what I'm doing. And I'll be honest enough to tell you that, even though I'm a professional minister, because I am practicing my senses and we're discerning and we're trying to create an authentic space where God can be God and we can practice discerning what God is doing, what the spirit of God who makes Jesus real to the church, who reveals Christ Jesus to the church. We're learning to discern and be led by the spirit. We worship, you know, we worship for, I don't know how long tonight, a little over an hour. Worship is built upon discernment. Follow me. So Jesus is the ultimate worshiper, right? No one has ever worshipped God the way that Jesus worshipped God. His entire life was worship. Because worship is a response to who God is. it's, It's a response. It's a wholehearted yes. It's an offering of ourselves to God. And Jesus, particularly in the Gospels of John, we see he's, he's repeatedly, explicitly telling us, my whole life is, is lived in response to the leadership of the Father. I don't do what I don't see him doing. I don't say what he doesn't tell me to say. I don't go where he doesn't tell me to go. I didn't do this on my own initiative, but I'm initiated by God. He's showing us he is led by the Spirit. His whole life was an offering to God. He's so discerning, he's he's so sensitive that in the crowd of people, when one woman touched him, he discerned. So Jesus lived with this just incredible sensitivity to the Spirit of God. God would, he, he just, he was intuitively, his whole life was given to God to the point Right? You become like what you worship. 
So in John 14, he gets a little muffed when his disciples say, show us the Father. He says, you've seen him. Because my whole life has been a living response. I'm just, I'm just beholding and, and imitating him. I've made him known to you. And the dream of Jesus for his disciples is, which is the next chapter, John 15, he just, he's basically saying in John 15, I want my disciples to do the same thing with me that I've done with the Father. I want my disciples to be true worshipers who worship in the spirit and truth, right? They live by the spirit so that if they've seen you, they've seen Jesus. That's, that's Jesus' vision of discipleship. Is that if people see you, they've seen him. You know, Bill Johnson says, we owe the world an encounter with God. The way that we worship God, right, is we have to discern him. If we're to respond to him, we have to discern him. We have to discern the Holy Spirit and then give ourselves to respond to that. So when we come and we gather in the name of Jesus, and we believe, if we're Christians, we believe that Jesus is risen. He says, we're two or more gathered, I'm there in your midst. He says, I inhabit the praises of my people. It says that I will never leave you. I'll be with you always, even to the end of the age. So if we just have simple faith <laughs> in the Bible, we know that he's here. If he says that I, you're a temple of the Holy Spirit, he's saying you're the Holy of Holies that I, my manifest presence dwells. So if we have simple faith, we know that God's here at church. right? We know he's here right now. Simple faith. But we don't always feel him. We don't always, we're not always, you know, it's not always stimulating of our natural senses. We don't always feel faith. We may be worshiping. We may feel nothing. You may feel something else. You may feel fear. You may feel whatever. You, it's not about what we feel. Right? We may be in a crisis. We may be in pain. We may, we, there's all, the world's happening. Right? And based on what we've consumed in our lives and how much time, right, what spiritual disciplines do is they're, they're training us here. Prayer, listening, scripture, song, fasting. Fasting, if you really want to grow in discernment, if you want to edify your spirit, fast. Because fasting simultaneously deprives the outer man and edifies the inner man. That's a good word. But you can see, we're, this is a training ground here at church. We're being trained. What do you do when you don't feel anything? What do you do when maybe... Your mind is being frustrated. We're being trained to discern that God is here right now. Imminent. That's what the kingdom is. It's the imminent leadership of God. He's saying you can live in immediate connection to the Holy Spirit. This is what the kingdom is. Minute to minute leadership. Jesus says you don't have to live the way of Adam. You don't have to live by your own senses and understanding. You can live connected to God where his kingdom is with you and you're guided by him and you just walk with him and he manifests through your life. Oh my goodness. This is, that's wild. 
And how do we access it? Discernment. 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 How do I grow in discernment? So a few things. First is time with God. If you want to discern, right? If you'll, you'll notice the people that you're closest to, you can discern their thoughts. You can discern what they're doing. Scientists have even done studies on it. They call it mutual mind at the neurological level. They don't know how to explain it, but minds will sync up with people you're close. That's why uh, if you're in a group of people and someone says something that you know the other person thinks is funny, you both know it simultaneously that they think it's funny. It's an inside joke. It's, it's part of union. God wants to develop union with us that we think like he thinks, we see like he sees, we process like he processes. Time with him, intimacy, developing a connection with the Holy Spirit. That's one way. How do we, another way is the word of God. The word of God is sharper than a double-edged sword. The word of God is discerning. The word of God parses and pieces things out. The word of God, if we are not eating the word of God, what are we discerning with? It's the truth. The Holy Spirit's going to guide us into the truth. And it, the word of God, it feeds, it edifies, it strengthens. It's, it, you know, those who only eat milk aren't accustomed to the word of righteousness. The solid food is the, those who practice. They're training. We're training. The, the word of God trains us. It trains our inner man. It strengthens us with true words, with reality. This is a spiritual feast that actually empowers our spirit. Just like natural food. We just gave Naomi this week for the first time. We gave her some natural food. Ah, avocado. It's different. I have to put it in my mouth. Like, this is work. It's work. It's work. It's work to get into the word. But natural food will grow you. Milk can only grow you to a certain place. You need the natural food. It's the word of God. It's the word of God. Third, what do we do? It is a absolute commitment to say, I will follow the promptings of the Holy Spirit. That's probably the scariest one. To surrender and say, you are God, and I'm going to start following your nudges more than my world of making sense of things. I'm not going to live by my feelings. I'm not going to live by my understanding. I'm going to say yes. I'm going to let you be God. That establishes honor in the relationship and says, you can lead me, Holy Spirit. These are the ones that are kind of scary sometimes. Because often when he's training us, we will discern things that somehow violate our natural mind. Eh, no, 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 not that much money give to that person. No, 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 erase a zero. No, 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 erase another zero. No, 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 another zero. It's like, no, yeah, let me be God. Call that person and repent to them. No, they wronged me. No, call that person and repent. No. No. Mm, 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 mm. Okay, okay, okay. Confess your sin. Do this, do that. He's God. Why does he why does he speak so softly? So discreetly? 
Because in this life, Jesus wants willing lovers. He doesn't want forced obedience. He wants to see, do you really want to be with me? So he comes not as a lion, but he really does come as a lamb. He doesn't come as creator. He comes as carpenter in this life. But we will hold an account one day when we stand before the throne. And I don't want a laundry list of things. But he says, you did this well, you did this well, you did this well. I have a few things against you. You were afraid. You were more convinced that you were right than me on this. You withhold finances because you were afraid that you wouldn't have enough. So all I want to be like, you had your way unhindered through me. <laughs> it's little acts of obedience build big faith. And faith builds, moves mountains. Faith moves mountains. It moves mountains. This is so good. Right, this, a mature, a discerning church doesn't fall into emotionalism, doesn't fall into intellectualism, doesn't fall into all the other isms. We're just led by the Spirit. You could be having a horrible day, but you'll follow what God's doing because you're not walking by your feelings. You're not walking by sight. You're not walking by the five senses. You're walking by the Holy Spirit. This is the inheritance of the church of the living God. The Holy Spirit is a genius. He's God. He's Lord. He's better than any teacher at Harvard. He's better than any teacher at MIT. It's almost like if we paid more tuition, we might value him more. It's like, we would. why don't we listen to what he says? This is why. The flesh. It's, it's not a neutral. There's a war. There's a war for your obedience. We are creative beings. If we obey what we obey, we will create. What, what influence we follow, creativity will come forth from us. There are many vines that we can be attached to. Jesus just says, I'm the true vine. If you attach yourself to the vine of fear, to the vine of whatever it else is, you'll bear fruit in accordance with those things. This is why the enemy isn't creative. He's a manipulator and he manipulates your creativity. This is why there's a war for your faith and obedience. This is the foundation of worship. It's faith and obedience. It's faith and obedience. It's, it's, it's operating from the spirit, not from the soul, not from the flesh. You come to church, I feel frustrated. They say, sing your own song, sing about the cross. I don't want to because I feel frustrated. You just partnered with the flesh. The spirit just submits. The spirit just follows. The spirit, it just, you just, you're willing to look stupid sometimes. Faith doesn't make sense. It makes miracles. It, 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 the cross didn't make sense, but it changed all of our lives. God's just looking for people that will say yes. Just do it. Come on, Phil Knight, preach to us. Just do it. Just do it. Just do it. What if I'm wrong? You probably will be sometimes. 
I could give you a whole laundry list of times I've been wrong discerning the Spirit in front of a whole church of people. And most of the time that church was you. I'm serious. But God doesn't keep the record of what we get wrong. He keeps the record of what we get right. You read in Hebrews 11, it doesn't say Sarah laughed at God. It says, and Sarah, even though she was old, believed God and received the ability to conceive. God thinks the best of us. He remembers the best. You're going to fail a few times. But I'd rather fall forward in faith than just stay stagnant. Waiting for God's not going to come with the trumpet sound if you don't obey the whisper. He's not. He's not. He's looking for faith. Without faith, it's impossible to please him. If we're to come to him, we must believe that he exists and that he's a rewarder of those who seek him. God is longing to reward simple faith from simple people. Just say, I'll do it. I'll do it. Find a yes man. Find a yes woman. Find it here, God. You wake up at 3 a.m. and you, you go to the bathroom and you hear a nudge. Maybe I should pray. No, no, no. I got, I got a long day. I got a busy day at work. No, just do it. Just do it. Faith doesn't make sense. We're not walking by the outer. We're walking by the inner. We're walking by the Spirit of God that raised Jesus from the dead. Resurrection power starts flowing through faith in response to discernment. Come on. That is a good word. This is good food. This is good food. Come on. There's a, there's a couple things. There's a, there's a couple things that I discern. I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna, I'm gonna step out here. There's a couple things I discern the Lord wants to do. Uh, first is the, the young adults, young people, the youth and the young adults, like all the Gen Zers. I just I felt the heart of God that He wants to impart like a discernment of spirits that's beyond your age that would guard you from walking in your own zeal. Zeal is good, but we don't want our zeal. The only zeal that's really fruitful is his zeal. And that can be hard to discern. And I just felt like it was this covering, but I had this picture earlier today, all the young adults up here, and I saw the gray hairs in the church, the grannies, the grandpas, the, the older. I saw coming around and laying hands and imparting that the, that the Holy Spirit wants to impart through this generational thing into our youth and young adults. So if you're a youth and you're a young adult and you want the Spirit of God to equip you today with discernment, I just want you to come forward. And if you are a father, a grandfather, a grandmother, I just want you to come and just surround these, these, this beautiful passion. Yeah, just come over here. I just feel like we're all, all, let's get them all over here. All the young. Yeah, come on, just keep pushing, keep pushing. We got I just, I don't know why, I just saw it happening over here. So let's just get all the young over here. Yes, God. And I need all the, anyone, gray hair, white hair, 
No hair. I, I don't know. I'm not trying to make fun. Like it's something of there's honor. So I just, this is what I want for all our young. I want you to just humble yourself in honor to the, the saints around you that have gone before. There's something of honor that you would just, just honor in your hearts. The, the, the generations that have gone before you, the ones that are surrounding you right now, that there's a, there's a safety that comes of what God wants to do to you. There's a gift of being surrounded in, 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 in generational community. And, and I just, you know, if you, I just want you guys to start laying hands. And I really feel like it's going to come through you guys. So maybe go around if you have words. I just, just, just start ministering. You can minister out loud. You can start working your way through. And I just want you guys, maybe if you're, if you're a young adult, I just want you to open your hands and, and maybe just pray to the Lord until they're going to come. And I just want them to lay hands on you. Lord, we thank you. Yeah, you can come up on stage and work your way this way, some of you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hey, if, you, if your kids are in the sanctuary already, they're free to kind of run around. It's okay. We're just going to keep ministering. And if I don't even know what the time's at, but if the... You can, we can bring the kids back in and it can be kind of playful. Uh, there, uh, there's, there's a, I just also feel a prompting that, that there's children's workers, that the Lord's raising up children's workers. It may be some of you young adults, it may be people in here, but I just had a sense that the Holy Spirit was going to give conviction tonight for, for children's workers, that God was going to put his heart for the, the children of this church and to some of you that there would just be a, 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 a conviction in you that you are supposed to, to be a priest to the children in Riverhouse. And if, if that's you and if you're not a young adult already up here, I just I want to invite you to come forward as well and just to, just to say yes to, uh, to say yes to the call of the Holy Spirit that you, he, you would let him use you to minister to children in this house. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. ministry space and see what God wants to do in this time. And, uh, if, even if you're seated at your seat and you don't know what to do, you know, you can even just feel free to discern from the Lord for yourself. If it's time to go, if you want to extend a hand and pray, God, we bless all these young people. Lord, we just say yes to these, to these fiery, zealous ones, God. And we just thank you for the call on this generation, Lord. We just thank you for the call on this generation. And we just say yes to the call. God, we just pray for an increase of discernment. An increase of discernment tonight. God, in the youth and the young adults of this church. God, and I also just prayed over every person in Riverhouse. 
Lord, that Holy Spirit, you would release tonight a, a, a gift of grace, God, a charis of discernment of spirits in this house. God, that you would increase the, the level of discernment in Riverhouse Church, God, that from the young to the old, God, from the smallest to the greatest, Lord, there would be an increasing of holy divine discernment, God, and that with that discernment, there would just be a faith that rises up in our church, God. Thank you, Holy Spirit.